0: Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash Wondery and use code Wondery for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash Wondery. Code Wondery.
1: Heya! It's a Nerdist Podcast, episode number 232. Come see us in Texas this weekend. Matt, Jonah, and I will be in Houston on Friday night, and then Saturday we're going to drive through the Martian landscape <laughs> to get to Dallas on Saturday. Uh, what's the weather like? Should we bring coats? Coats and scarves and gloves and hats? Matt's pretty adorable in mittens. Say, I'd like to thank our newest sponsor to the Nerdist Podcast, Comicsology. I use that app. This is huge news. I read my latest Walking Dead's on Comixology. Uh, I... I Read The New 52 on Comicsology. It's a website, but it's also an app. Listen, if you're enjoying summer blockbusters like The Avengers and The amazing, amazing Spider-Man, you want to treat yourself to the source material. It's the comics. It is a comic-based app. You know all these movies were, were comics first, right? You knew that. Of course you did. But uh, lately, I've been using Comixology to get on my fix. They have over 25,000 comic books and graphic novels to choose from. So if you're in front of your computer, you're listening to this podcast on your iPad, your iPhone, your Android, your Kindle Fire, you can get a comic and you can read it right now. I mean, my favorite thing to do is you finish one issue and there is immediate instant gratification. <laughs> immediate instant! I'll use redundant terms because that's how instantaneously it happens. And for the next 24 hours, Nerdist fans can get two digital comics for free through Comixology. You get Amazing Spider-Man number 648. It's the beginning of one of the most acclaimed runs in Spidey history. It's Dan Slott reinvents Peter Parker's world and Spidey presents his new... Awesome jumping on point for the world of Spider-Man. The other one is the Avengers X-Sanction number one. The perfect starting point for fans who love the biggest characters, the Avengers and the X-Men. Not only does this lead into the current Avengers versus X-Men crossover, it's just an awesome self-contained story in one issue. So those are free. They're redeemable on the Comixology website, readable on the entire platform. Go to Comixology.com, C-O-M-I-X-O-L-O-G-Y.com slash redeem and enter hashtag Spider-Man, lowercase s, to get the Spidey comic. Or hashtag AVX for the Avengers comic. Give the codes to all your friends. Shit, I don't care. Do it. Hand them out. You know, they made these codes with hashtags so they're super, super easy uh, to remind people. So do it. Get the word out there. It's super fun to read comics on Comicsology. It gives you just the cool uh, touch and swipe and gives you the feel of of reading uh, a comic book with that... Panelmation, I call it Where the panels kind of move and enlarge And kind of focus here where you need to focus Or you don't have to use that if you don't want to It doesn't, doesn't necessarily have to work that way uh, On your app Anyway, go to Comixology.com Sign up, use the codes Alright, this episode of Nerd's Podcast Greg Proops, Mr. Greg Proops Joan and Matt uh, were a little indisposed With this episode Matt got the nerd flu at Comic Con He's been down with a sore throat And all fucked up for the last couple days Jonah Ray decided that, at almost age 30, it's a good idea to get his wisdom teeth out, so he was having dental surgery. Uh, I still have not had my wisdom teeth out. At this point, I think it's just like, nope. Uh, I think I'll just have to settle for crooked teeth and then weird protrusions in the back of my gums, because I don't know if I want to have my skull ripped open. It's the kind of thing you should do as a a young person. So Greg Proops and I sat down and had a fucking awesome chat. I I love Greg. If you haven't listened to his podcast, The Smartest Man in the World, you should. It's available on iTunes. Uh, Greg's just a terrific guy uh, with a, a lot of great information, super smart. And I've been a fan of his ever since Who's Line when uh, when uh, the, the the Wheaton and I used to be roommates and then every day in the afternoon we'd watch Who's Line on Comedy Central and just fucking love those guys. So it's really cool now to actually be friends with Greg Proops and... Uh, and and get to do stand-up with them and stuff. So this was a super fun conversation, the Nerdist Podcast, episode number two thirty-two with Mr. Greg Proops.
0: Now entering nerdist.com.
2: people always ask me what I'm reading and I think that would be a funny show to just to talk about any book that I'm reading that week for a few minutes and, any book well Do- I mean I read a lot of history and baseball and junk like that what's your
1: what's your favorite uh, period of in history
2: um ancient history ancient like like Greek Roman yeah nice Greek Roman Egyptian but right now I'm just reading these two cherry Jones books on medieval history one was about the Crusades and one was like called medieval people and they're you know, they're fascinating. Though. Like like Terry Jones? Uh, the Terry Jones. He, oh, wow. He does wow. documentaries in England all the time, history documentaries, and he's quite funny. He's always got his clothes off in them, you know, like there's always a scene in a shower <laughs> somehow where he manages to get his kid off. And, of course, he's just this giant thing, you know. Uh, but he's dead funny, and he really knows everything about everything, you know. It's him and another cat named Alan Arira, and uh, they produced a whole bunch of them. And I've been watching, you know, like medieval weapons and all this stuff. But he writes books off the back of them, like... I found one in the airport in, in Heathrow called Barbarians. And I read so much ancient history about Romans. And then I found this barbarian book, and it's how... They're not barbarians. The Romans were just full of shit and labeled them that way. And like, they had really advanced cultures, but the Romans suppressed them and took away all their, you know what I mean? And,
1: Usually when people don't believe exactly the same things we believe, they're called barbarians. Exactly. And th- it really comes down to a belief system more than a physical manifestation of their barbarianism.
2: Right. I mean, not everybody that's a barbarian is walking around with a double-headed axe and a bear hat on, you know, <laughs> chopping people up. I mean, they are in the movies. Uh yeah, like they thought the ancient Greeks were barbarians because they like boys, you know? Right. And then the Greeks, of course, invented like things like, oh, I don't know, the steam engine and stuff way before anybody Or did. the arch. Yeah. Uh, how much, what percentage of
1: history that we accept as fact do you think is actually bullshit because of
2: whatever, uh, whatever literature survived to, to document it? That's a really good question, and uh, I'm always thinking about it because... I read the ancients too, and the ancients are lying, right? They're spinning all the time madly, or they, or it's been written a hundred years after the fact, and they want to cast it in a certain way. I would say maybe almost half, right?
1: Because <laughs> what what you really you know you you sort of take the modern day analogy, and then you go, okay, let's for instance say you know there's a, there's a very limited amounts of text survived from that period, yes. and so much of it was was oral tradition, which. You know, I I couldn't say something from the one side of this room to the other and have it turn out the same. And so you think about, you know, in 2000 years, if all they had were like transcripts of Rush Limbaugh. Yes. And they would be like, well, I guess this was exactly what was going on at the time, is that a lot of times people don't, I don't know what it is, but a lot of times I think people don't view historical documents as editorial. Right. <laughs> they just view them as like, no, 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 these are just uh, black and white facts. It's like, right. no, this. they were written by a guy who had a particular political yeah. agenda. And, yeah. you know, you're talking about a period of time where uh, religion, science, and politics were all e- exactly the same thing. Mm-hmm. And so there were a lot of... Reasons why the things that he's saying
2: may or may not have been true, and and wh- who gives voice to the poor? Who who's a slave writing history? Who's a woman writing history? Who's a child writing history? So they get written out entirely. Right. And it focuses on these. Warrior kings and this and that. Like, if you, like you're saying, if they only found Rush Limbaugh, or, what if they just looked at our coins? What, we're obsessed with eagles and we trust in God? <laughs> and and, and who are these August men with wigs on and shit like that? Like We're making so many presumptions based on coins and stuff that we find. That's true. And, uh, I mean, obviously the, the context of everything has changed, but people haven't changed that much. There's still the same five things, you know, greed, avarice, Conquering, taking, squashing, <laughs> and yep. lying. Yep.
1: And still every and still every generation says, uh, every generation says this is this is the darkest period in history.
2: Yes, every generation, and they thought the world was going to end a bajillion times, or this is the, uh, you know, like. The more I read about the Middle Ages and the, and the Enlightenment and uh, 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 the Renaissance and all that, and those are all fake names put on them later. When right. I was growing up, I thought, oh, when people lived in the Renaissance, they thought, well, it's the Renaissance. Let's just <laughs> you know read some classical texts, and, put it. and like, then I'll play a lute. Right. And then now the whole new theory is in all these books I read. There was no renaissance. It's just the end of the Middle Ages, and it had already been going on for 200 years. It's just the day they decided to call it that. And then, you know, there's obviously Leonardo. There's lots of leading lights that come popping to the fore. Sure. But along with Leonardo is Machiavelli, simultaneous, right? And, and uh, the Borgias. So, like... Leonardo rolled with the Borgias. He was part of their retinue. But yet he was this gay artist who was a humanist, vegetarian, and he liked women, and he had an insane world that he lived in, too, of engineering and all that jazz. But, of course, he made military machines or designed them for the war machine because that's how he had a gig. Yeah. So clearly, and it's not written anywhere, he knew Machiavelli because if he was in the same group, sure. you know, they, I mean, they don't like – we don't have video of them now. now. Now we would have video. Well, we don't have it now, right? I mean, we just went through the giantest war ever. And there's always that one picture they show of Dick Cheney with Saddam Hussein from like 1974. When they're right, hands. right. But clearly there were many more meetings. You <laughs> it didn't just I go mean? from that to... Yeah, we well, make enemies out of people.
1: It's sort of like, you know, they're in a certain stratum; they're probably going to know each other. It's like, hey, you know... Uh, you know uh, Louis C.K. and Mark Maron, yeah. and like these are comics who you know, like you know, you know people in your field or people in your general area of study, even if whether or not we know them well. It's like well particularly in those days, the, their paths probably would have crossed at some point. Yeah, in a point. smaller world, yeah. more rarefied atmosphere. Explain the Dark Ages to me. Was this 800 to 1300? Was this... was, was that, Am I getting the dates they right? keep was...
2: moving the goalpost on it, but yeah, like sort of vaguely in there. A so, lot of times it goes from the end of the Roman Empire uh, or the end of the Western Roman Empire, so in like the late 400s, early 500s, and it, it, it's darkened so much as a bunch of knowledge is lost. Uh, and, and then, uh, you, you know, because in the... Obviously, the Romans had mad engineering, uh, and they bathed. And there's a book by Boris Johnson, who's the Mayor of London, who's a right old fascist, but a, quite a decent historian. and uh, he <laughs> he wrote this book about how the EU is analogous to the Roman Empire, and the thing he kept fixating on through the dark ages was there's you don't find scissors. Because <laughs> there's no more tweezers and scissors. Everyone was so hairy. and he's like, in the Roman <laughs> days, you were shaved clean, and you went to the bath every day if you had any money at all. Even poor people went to the bath every day because you could go for, like, one sesterce or whatever it was. And, sure. And, uh, and and Arabs have always had baths. Like, if you go to the Arab world, you know there's always a Haman mm-hmm. everywhere, a, a communal one where people go. Men on one side, women on the other. And bathing sort of got lost in the Dark Ages, right? But the idea that there wasn't science or that there wasn't technology. Just no real advancements of any kind. Is it possible
1: that 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 did happen and we just don't know? Or is it, they really, there would have been some indicators at some I point. I think there
2: was science and technology. I just think it moved a lot slower. And I think because Ow. of the, the lack of good roads, uh, the, the one the other thing that Romans did, uh, aside from dominate the world with their enormous cock, was build roads <laughs> everywhere. They had to get their army from one place to the other. So the entirety of Europe and the Middle East and Africa is connect, was connected by roads. And they were brilliant at bringing water in. So they always had aqueducts. You've been to Europe and seen sure. aqueducts that are still standing from 2,000 years ago. Yep. And the engineering is fabulous. All they did was grade it so that it went down a few inches every couple of kilometers or whatever. So that the pressure of the water finds its own pressure. They were aware of that. If you find a lake that's way up high and you have a high uh, village on a hill, you can make water come to that hill with yeah. an aqueduct. Yeah. You don't need pumps and electricity and computers and, and all that jazz. You can use gravity. Use I think, so, it but I do think it's
1: interesting though to, th- I mean, because we take for granted now, like we, we, you know, we have, we have basically several iterations of Moore's law. And yeah. so we, we assume that, you know, that we're on this constant never ending path of advancement right. and, you know, when you think about how pissed off. How excited people get every year a new iPhone comes out. And then if 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 Apple or whatever company doesn't reinvent the industry every year, people get mad and frustrated. No, nah, it's all boring now. It's like, do you realize there were periods where centuries <laughs> of nothing happened? Yeah. People ate, they shit, they fucked,
2: and that was it. Yeah. That, it was nothing, no, nothing for no printing hundreds yeah, yeah. and hundreds of years. Yeah. No media. Entertainment was someone who came to your town and juggled. <laughs> oh you know I mean? us, right? Or us? Or us? Yeah. No, I know that the pressing to go forward all, all the time, and also the presumption that somehow it was uh, 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 different. You know that that um, I've lost my train of thought here, but yeah, I agree with you. Say, there's this built-in obsolescence of everything now. Uh, there has to be a new phone. There has to be a new computer. There has to be a new this, how do that. We couldn't build the pyramids. No. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I only just – I just saw a video that
1: theorized on how they moved the this, this stone heads on Easter Island. Yes. this the yeah, oh, you know, the
2: National Geographic.
1: Yeah, National Geographic right. where they just used like eight ropes yeah. and then they just wobbled the thing into place. Yeah. And that was it.
2: Right. It wasn't like you think, well, they didn't have the wheel and all the technology we have. First of all, can you imagine – us building those giant heads and moving them to some the most remote island in the universe, and then moving them up to a hill. Some of them had hats on too. <laughs> and they put the hats on them too. I mean, that th- I love the idea that the ancient world is a more primitive world mm-hmm. because it's completely false they had philosophy they had theosophy they had uh, uh, belief systems they had math- mat- you know they had mathematics they they weren't ignorant people who looked and went the, the world is flat and the sun is on and they distance. also had to
1: solve bigger problems with less resources yeah.
2: But they also had all day to do it because they weren't distracted by looking at their phone every two seconds. <laughs> and if you were someone who followed the stars, that's what you did. Yeah, so you knew retrograde motion. you knew all the planets, you couldn't see all of them. You couldn't see you know Uranus and Pluto, but all the ones visible to the eye, they knew the difference between Jupiter and a star. And the, the, the circumference of the world was figured out 2,500, 3,000 years ago. Uh, everybody already knew. And no one ever believed the world was flat. That's just a plain straight-up fucking lie that's ripped from literature. Really? Washington Irving wrote a story about Columbus at, at 170 years ago where he said Columbus went to the court and and all the people were mad at him, all the viziers and whatnot. No, the world's flat. You'll fall off. And, like, they didn't believe that then. What Columbus believed was the, the world was way smaller than it was and that he would be able to get all the way to Asia from Europe. In a, I'll be back in two months. Right. Just, like, give me the money and I'll come back. <laughs> Magellan, too, like, they underestimated how small the world was. They didn't think it was flat and you'd fall off. Now, along with that, when you got out in uncharted water, yeah, the sailors thought there'd be dragons. You know what I sure, mean? Sure, like, of there course. Was, there was a healthy dose of... Uh, uh, um, uh, what do you call it? A uh, um, oh my god, a mythology b- b- or on the word you bad luck uh, superstition. Yeah, but I'm superstitious, you know. So I, I don't think superstition ever went away. And by the way, we still don't know everything that's on the ocean floor.
1: No, <laughs> with the technology that we have, we still don't know everything that's down there. Did
2: you see the fish a couple months ago? They had I was listening to some interview on the radio where the guy's talking about they found a you know dozens of new species, and their minds were blown at the fish they found down there. And We don't know anything about anything is what I'm getting. I was in uh, Turkey with my wife years ago, and we were walking up to this thing called the chimera, which is a bunch of gas shooting out of the ground in different flames, right? (laughs) It looks like an oven, like those blue flames. And they they make a noise. And then, you know, it's a rocky field, and there's dozens of them. And they said thousands of years ago, they were even higher. They're about this high now, like three, four feet high. In the days of the Iliad and whatnot, they were six feet high. And you can see them because you can see the sea. And so, of course, they thought that's where Vulcan's Forge was. faced Oh, of course. There. But then on the way up this hill, which is marked with rocks, like talk about the descent of man. Yeah. Like there's a crappy path to this, and there's rocks sort of pointing <laughs> away. There's Lycian temples that are buried, buried in the underbrush. And you're like, those temples are 15,000 years old. Oh, my God. And so they just don't have the money to dig them out it's turkey you know they have other pressing concerns like you know wiping <laughs> out kurds and shit so they don't have time to to and stop even, and <laughs> d- dig out the temple i mean they dig, the, you know and the other new theory or new earth theory is, of course you know they came up with that people walked across the land bridge and that, that's why we have sure. indians and shit like that and the the coasts are different than they were 15 20 30,000 years ago so we had more land That went on further. So that part's buried and we don't know what's under it. And why couldn't people from other countries have taken boats here? Right. We insist that they fucking walked. (laughs) (laughs) And they walked all the way from (laughs) Siberia and then all the way down to fucking Terra del Fuego. And it's like, they had boat technology. Right. This isn't like out of the realm of man. I mean, why presume that people 20,000 years ago walked around and just stared at each other? They obviously had languages and. You know, when you see, uh, he, uh, where are you from originally?
1: I was born in Kentucky, and I grew up in Memphis.
2: Well, then you know those giant mounds in the south yeah. where the Indians lived. Those were metropolises where they had fish farms and raised corn and bred corn. Yeah. So that the reason why the corn is edible is the Indians did that 15,000 years ago. We didn't do that. They right. made corn edible. They found it. They bred it. They carried on doing you know, so when you see those mounds in Alabama and those places like that, those were giant cities in North America that we just go, Oh the Indians. They're <laughs> all drunk and they just want a truck and here, here, here. Yeah, maybe we're
1: just maybe they're just mad that we took all their shit. Kind of mad. <laughs> I mean, this it's basically the equivalent of the guy who like you know, he trusts a girl, and then she fucks him over, <laughs> and then he just becomes He's just like, I yeah. ah, just sits in a bar. He's like, that fucking bitch. Yeah. That fucking bitch, man. I trusted her. That's that's basically what. That's the relationship yeah. that happened. Pretty much
2: horribly, the abusive relationship. You
1: know the the, the one the one thing that it that shockingly for, or it's shocking to me that I that i now that we're talking about this that I don't actually know is the. Defi- I mean, I know that agriculture had a lot to do with you know what sort of spawned. Uh, modern, modern man, sort of homo right. sapien sapient. But what, what, was there kind of a defining moment? I know, I know it was around 10, 20,000 years ago, but I don't know what it was specifically that got us essentially, you know, out of the forests and into the earth and, and building farms and, and societies and, and, and then a, a sort of, you know, a, rep- a modern representation of what man is.
2: Right. Well, if you saw the movie Ten Thousand BC, you know that mammoths helped build the pyramid. They did, uh, and they were very helpful. And then they'd get scared <laughs> and they'd run down the pyramid. Sure. And, that w- and then there were several different kinds of tribes. There was the people, the bald-headed tribe. Yep. And then the tribe that spoke cave English. Yep. Know, with, that's
1: right. Oh, me, you, yes. You know, like we yeah. So that's my basic understanding of how it all. Yeah,
2: I love movies like that. I think it was. I think they lowball everything and to make ourselves feel good, I think historians go, it was only 10,000 years ago that written word. <laughs> it's like, right. uh, People were communicating way before that. If people are 3 million years old, if, you know, hominids or whatever, sure. if we go back that far, then no fucking way was it only 10,000 years ago. But I think there's a defining moment where When people started to grow things, that made agriculture. Agriculture makes leisure because then you have excess. Sure. And as soon as you have more food than you need to feed the people around you, then you can build a city. And a city is the beginning of civilization because then a city means specialization. Now you make pottery. I make clothes. They make shoes. You make swords. Now we're not doing jobs that require us going out and hunting and gathering all day. That's the defining moment when people become people. And then within that becomes... Now we need entertainment. Someone's got to read to us. Someone's got to write a fucking story. Someone's got to... I mean, when you find those first tablets of cuneiform from, like, Iraq from 10,000 years ago, um, they're bills of sale. 5,000 sheaves of corn, this much barley, this many mules. Those, you know, those sure. things with things that have the stylus and everything. Uh, commerce is the first thing, I think, that got... As soon as they had enough stuff to sell, people weren't... Let's do that. Yeah. Let's to get a boat and we'll go up the river. I know they don't have anything over there. Yep. Or let's go across the Mediterranean and then you know Egypt and uh, <laughs> what Americans hate to think about the Middle East that we incessantly bomb and invade is the heart of civilization. Sure. For the white people.
1: The Tigris and Euphrates River, like Absolutely. the Fertile Crescent, and it's sort of I, I I do I that's a fun idea though of. You know, of uh, of getting to a point where people are like, you know, I don't feel like hunting or gathering, but I still want food. Maybe I could just give you something yeah. that would then give me some of the extra food that you have. Yeah. Maybe there's some service that I could provide you. Like, there's just like this kind of uh, social bartering that, that exists. Oh,
2: absolutely. And then money is a, a real concept then because it's uh – Uh, Whatever coins or or whatever they start with uh, wooden blocks and then move into coins and then paper when the Chinese had paper way before we did But now money's an elusive ephemeral made up bullshit concept sure people go Oh well we can run out of money or this bank ran out of money or whatever. And it's like there's no finite amount of money. Money's an idea now. Yeah. Money lives in a machine. We don't have enough gold in the world to back up a currency. There's only a finite amount of gold in the world. Right. Like, the amount of gold in the world now is the same amount of gold in the world that was a thousand years ago. Like they're not digging it up every two seconds and adding to the <laughs> You know what I mean? Like the idea that Fort Knox or the Federal Reserve, boy, there's some fucking hard, you know. I always, Valuable think, metal there
1: I always I always think when I you know when I go you know, like if I check my statement online and I just go okay that is a digital representation yeah. of theoretically what I have I don't really possess that in a physical sense it's just if I wanted to there's a good chance I could just go take that out but There's not really any, you know, it's really just this sort of agreed-upon concept.
2: It's an illusion that we all sort of simultaneously have decided to hold together. And so say you wanted the physical version. Say I want $25,000 out of my bank. Then they give you a stack of money or a piece of paper that represents that. So it's even more of a metaphor. Once you finally see it, money isn't valuable. It's printed with numbers on it. (laughs) (laughs) They are the same piece of paper over and over again, like... You know, you can imagine a gold coin and a silver coin have different value because of what they're made of. Sure. But what we deal with now is like, a, and the idea that, oh, so the ancient people are primitive because they put coins in a bucket. It's like, um, they didn't pretend. <laughs> <laughs> those, those were precious metals that <laughs> yeah. were hard to find, yeah. and that's
1: why they had value.
2: I mean, when you hear about banks go broke or what was it, J.P. Morgan lost $2 billion like two months ago, yeah. and then they went, mm, you know, yeah. like, where is it? What is it? Where did it go? Whose was it? You know, it's just this big swirling mass. I mean, I guess I don't
1: fully understand all that. I just, in my head, I just go,
2: well, I guess it just vanished, but it obviously had to go
1: somewhere. When people people lose money in the stock market, someone else is winning money somewhere, because it's, I mean, you know, in the sense... In the sense, it's it, 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 it falls under the same I think the same definition of conservation of energy, right? Where it's like it's not created, it's not destroyed, it's redistributed. So it's where where is it redistributed?
2: Yeah, where did it go? Uh, yeah, that's just to me, that's the big lie of our time. Uh, uh, you know, all, all the money gets spent on uh, not that they wouldn't have done it then. That's the other thing I think. If the Romans had have been able to have nuclear warheads and and TV and spin propaganda in the internet they'd have loved it <laughs> of course they, they would have you wouldn't have waited one second to use it for evil purposes like we do now no 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 they were you know I mean
1: I know they loved science and philosophy and whatnot but they were just as egocentric I mean like you yeah. have to you have to have a certain amount of narcissism to think you know that we're grand enough to deserve those things oh, yeah. and to and to celebrate ourselves you yeah, know to
2: control an empire and make one language one law blah blah blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I don't know when Marco Polo went to China in the 1200s he saw eyeglasses people using coal for fuel and paper money and people were writing checks and he'd never seen a check in his life he's from a merchant family and by the way he spoke Chinese and Mongol because his uncle and his father did Yo know, they was making like he just wandered over there. His father and his uncle had been there came back and got him when he was a teenager took him back over and he lived there for 20 years. oh wow well Kublai Khan made him a tax collector, so he went all around down to Vietnam, Java, everywhere, all across China. And everything he saw blew his fucking mind. He never had food that had different subtle flavors. He'd never had he'd never seen anyone write a check while wearing glasses. Go, you can cash this five thousand miles from here because we all agreed because Europe was still, you know, oh, they weren't as advanced. and all and then when he came back and told everybody what he saw, which he did in his book, They call them Il Milione in Venice, the Million Lies.
1: Oh, that sucks.
2: (laughs) No, I swear to God, you guys. I swear. I saw fireworks that lasted all night from a pleasure boat full of women on it in the middle of a a man-made lake with everyone wearing silk.
1: Whatever, hippie.
2: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Get the fuck out of here. (laughs) Dude. Nobody has that shit, and nobody ever will.
1: I wonder what the... uh I wonder what this what the what the origin of comedy was like you said. You said obviously when people have free time, they have leisure time. They need entertainment. So, you know, I I was at this idea that laughter is really a very tribal thing that happens in a group of people where you can point out some things that they all recognize and collectively Uh, they, they, they collectively, I guess, recognize is the right word. And so in doing that, their laughter is sort of an expression of I
2: am safe. I am with my people and I'm not going to die. Yeah. I think that's exactly right. Uh, I think the first gag is someone hitting someone else in the head with a stick, and everybody's standing around, and the guy didn't see it coming, you know, or or it <laughs> or fell in, you know, someone tripped someone, and everybody goes, you know, yeah. Uh, but there is that safety, that tribal thing. Humor doesn't exist on its own. I mean, obviously, you can laugh on your own, but as soon as you add an audience, then one person is the focus of it. I think. I mean, by the middle ages, it's sophisticated because you have to have a jester as well as people who go from town to town. And then there's balladeers who write the song of you, just like in Monty Python's uh, Yes, Brave Sir Robin. Robin. Said, yes. Fucking, they had guys who wrote songs about them, who followed them around and shit like that. And, and it's just true. How uh,
1: powerful were the court jesters?
2: I think they were a- able to get away with saying things that other people couldn't say. Like if you were in the court and you were a count or a duke or something, I don't think you could go, you're fat and you're ugly you have rotten teeth and your wife's a whore without getting your head chopped off. But I think the jester could come out and do it, and the king would be like, oh, this guy. It's sort of like Rickles with Sinatra. Of course. You know, like, I remember Ed Krasnick telling me a story. He was in the dressing room with Sinatra, uh, I mean with Rickles, and he said Rickles would call Sinatra on the phone and go, shut up, Frank. And Frank (laughs) on the phone, he could hear him, would go, everybody, he just told me to shut up. Like, no one, no one speaks to the Pope that way, you know? (laughs) But there's always one guy that's allowed to... Yeah, yeah, This guy, because he's harmless, or he's, whatever position he holds, I mean, to take it even to, like, a metaphorical level or whatever, we're we're justers, right?
1: Sure, of course.
2: We make fun of whatever field we're making fun of, and and... Uh, we're allowed to do that. Uh, you can throw darts at the elephant, and uh, you know that's why we have political comedy. That's why we have social comedy, and that's why there's comedy a, a par- that's a parody of other media and other comedy. And
1: uh, well, to a degree, we do. You know, but what I'm noticing lately, though, is because uh, I feel like you know, obviously, we don't have there. there there's obviously no legal censorship. Uh, I mean, to a degree, yeah. Uh, but on TV, <laughs> but. <laughs> Uh, but I feel like there's a tremendous amount of social censorship now of, of like of people being offended or outraged by things. And that which I think, you know, in a sense makes them feel superior when they can go, you're not allowed to say that. Yeah. And it's like and, you know, I mean, it, it's dicey because I've, I've said a million times before, you know, you either it, it, inside comedy inside all comedy for the most part is the seed of something that is offensive to someone Mm -hmm. because this is our job is to take things that are uncomfortable and deal with them and express them and try to make them safe and manageable for everyone. And so, you know, the person who is offended by, uh, you know, a joke you made about like, Hey, that guy made a joke about punching a baby. That offends me. Or like, yeah, but you just laughed at the joke about the fat guy, but you didn't mind that that hurt that guy's feelings, you know? So it's like people just only care about what directly affects them, and then they want to tell comics what they can and can't say. And it's—I don't know. It's—I think it's a very interesting time for us that I feel like. We are way not as enlightened as as we used to be it's this is we have not really moved forward, I don't think in some no, I senses. Agree.
2: I said it to Overton uh, Overton said it to me we we're talking about this very thing and he said uh, hip used to mean that you had a broad range of taste not that you thought this many things and things on the outside of that weren't hip right like you go. You, uh, on top of what you're saying, where everybody feels empowered in their own subjectivity, which I find every night at the club, I'll go on after and I'll tell a joke and everyone will go ooh, and I'll go. Remember before <laughs> during the fat bitch fisting joke, <laughs> how your head was thrown back in I laughter, know. and now I've come on with a Kardashian joke and I'm a fucking evil wizard. Or yeah,
1: whatever. I know. It's really, it's really interesting.
2: Uh, on top of that, there's political correctness that's observed, and then there's unpolitical correctness that's observed. Depending Depending on where you are, sure. you know what I mean? Like, you go to a rough and ready room, and they're ready for some, they're ready for anything. Yeah. Uh, I find that working class people don't carry the same precepts that bourgeois people. Bourgeois people go, oh, we can't laugh at the Obama joke, because that'll mean that... There's all these igni- indicators and signifiers that they're trying to observe all the time. Yeah. Whereas people who fucking work all day... Uh, lifting parts out of a thing and putting them in another thing, and then they get drunk at night. Are like, fuck it.
1: Yeah, that's. I want to laugh. That's funny you said. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I had this joke in my act about. Um about like why it's it's like oh it's important to have kids young you know are there are there Latinos here and then a few people clap and I go you guys do it right you have your three or four kids and then you slow down so you can enjoy your late teens and and <laughs> and the, the the Latino the Latino crowds like laugh because they know that I'm not really attacking them yeah. the only time it's ever gotten ooze was when there was uh in all white faces in the crowd yeah. And they're like whoa oh, you can't. You're
2: saying that
1: they're having unprepared... Bur- I mean, it's, it's just like, you know, which to me is more arrogant than what they're accusing me of. Yeah. Like, it, I don't know. Comedy, it's just, it's tricky. It's tricky, especially with the internet, where everything can be taken out of context, text, dissected, uh, you know, people who weren't there then commenting on it. Right. It's like comedy is, is, is a live medium, and... You know, if you if you took the transcript of any comics act, almost any comics act, if you if you looked at their transcript, you'd be like, this guy's a fucking asshole. You know, but in the spirit of the room, (laughs) it's just not, you know, like it's a it's a safe zone. And once you're out of that safe zone, people don't understand anymore. So they shouldn't they shouldn't be allowed to comment on shit they weren't
2: present for. We'd be so far past this because that exact thing happened to Lenny Bruce. Right. They transcribed his act. And then a policeman read it in court, and he begged to be able to read it himself. And went, please let me read it. Right. So that you'll see how this goes. Instead right. of, then the bitch went to the cocksucker. <laughs> like, you know, as you, you, soon as someone else is reading it. Sounds like the manifesto a, of a serial yeah, killer. it's just terrible. And you think, uh, 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 what did Carlin say? Within the right context and with the right wording, everything's funny. Or anything's funny. Sure. Um there's always a victim. There's always a victim. Even someone slipping on a banana peel, that guy might have hurt himself, but you don't care at the moment. Right. But then people always want to protect their corner and go, you mustn't say this about this group and you mustn't say that about that group. Having said that, we all realize there's rich people, poor people, there's women, there's men. And yeah. And there's huge context that goes to every, you know. Yeah. Some words are absolutely fucking verboten. Yeah. And other words aren't. I mean, you can call people bitches and you don't get slammed if you're on the internet if you say the n bomb and yep. I'm being childish by saying it yep. uh, that's just verboten or the c dog <laughs> the c dog <laughs> that one just stops shit dead <laughs> of course if you go to England and you <laughs> Then it's
1: not it's then it doesn't yeah, yeah. so yeah we were talking we were talking with uh, John Barrowman on the podcast a couple nights ago about like what the rules are for being able to say cunt on yeah. British on British television late at night right. and it's like you can say it but you have to submit forms, and there has to be like there has to be a reason. I mean, you know, because you've worked, you know, you're you're sort of a you're a comedy expat, wouldn't you say? Like you yeah. you you sort you know like you you but you have your feet you have your feet in both in both cultures pre- pretty squarely.
2: I was just there for a couple of weeks. I was just in Dublin in England and did a bunch of shows. And uh, speaking of, uh, I got I got due to like heckled the shit out of me. I was playing this tent called the Utterbelly uh, uh, on the river in London. And it's it's a tent, right? So, you know, you're really a clown. Flat floor, raked house. So it's too bright. You know, so I'm standing there on the floor. You're not above them. You're not on a stage, per se. You're in an arena. And this dude was just fucking me off. And he was heckling me. And he was... uh, uh, you know, giving me the, oh, you're, you're kind of a faggot or whatever thing. Yeah. And I went over to him and i kind of lost my shit, which I'm not that proud of, but he deserved it. And I go, uh, listen, mate, I go, uh, I-, I have a huge ego. I want you to go. And I took out a 20 pound note yeah. and I said, fuck straight off out of here. Here's your money back. So he took it cause he was going to prove a point. He was with his girlfriend or wife. He split, and I'm not kidding, three beats later came back in and went, handed me back the 20, and went, she locked it. <laughs> 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 and I mean, the place the people were throwing shit at him, like, it's England, so all of a sudden, glasses are starting to fly.
1: That is such, that's such a great moment. I mean, like, the, 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 the heckler duel, which I know they... The British crowds love to see that more than, you know, we get we get a little more uncomfortable sometimes yeah. in the States and we're told to keep quiet in audiences and that's fine. I mean, it, it there there is there is a sport in it and as a comic who likes to kind of, you know, keep every set fresh, it's sort of fun to talk to people in the audience yeah. background, but every once in a while there is that one guy and at a certain point when they don't stop, it is really fun to sort of take a step back and just let. Let the, And they don't know that it's going to happen, but you know uh, one more sentence and the audience will hate you because they didn't pay to see you, yeah. and you're, you're tanking their experience, yeah. and all I have to do is just let you continue to be you, and you're, you're done. That's so gratifying to me when that happens, when you can actually get the crowd to turn and just implode on the, the guy who will not fucking shut up.
2: Will. The skill is to not hammer on them so hard that the audience feels like they're on his team. Right. Because that happens right, that's the opposite of it. You go, hey you fucking blah 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 and then they kinda go, hey, hey, hey. Yeah. He's just a drunk. Yeah. Instead of when you like you say, let them detonate.
1: It is a it is a really it's it's such a fine line and I wouldn't even know how to tell someone I wouldn't even know how to tell someone how to do it other than just you just have to be in that situation a lot to feel it. It's it's so like it's so like uh, uh, kung fu with the blindfold. Yeah. Like it's you you j- you just kind of feel. What is it about us? Do you think that? How do we get that awareness of a room? Like you know you know what I mean. Like that sort of that Spider Man time thing oh, where yeah. where you're just hyper aware of every inch of the room and like what the what the energy of each section is and what's, how it's going to, you know, it does. I mean, it doesn't happen all the time, but when you kind of get into a role, then you just are like, and you just, you could just feel the room.
2: Absolutely. I say that to the crowd. I'll go, by the way, I'm Jedi. And I know what each of you are doing on each (laughs) show. And I can tell those people back there aren't reacting right now. Or you see people looking down or they're all of a sudden the glow of the phone or whatever. And like. It's just a thing. It's a spider sense you develop over time where you really can feel a whole room. Not only that, and I don't know if this happens to you, I can count a room. I can count how many people are there, and I'm terrible at math.
1: No, I I, can't do that. At the
2: end of the night, I'll walk out and go, what was there, about 180 people in the (laughs) Goodyear? And it's just a sense. Like, I can't count. I'm not counting.
1: It's something that I think it's fun to watch. Like It's almost like when a young comic starts... Or like a mutant kind of starts figuring out their power, yeah. but they don't know how to control it yet. But young, I see young comics do this all the time. Obviously, we have a natural drive because we want everyone in the room to like us to zero in on the person or a couple people who aren't into the show. Yeah. And so sometimes it's better just to leave them alone. Like no one else will notice them if I don't bring it up. Hi. But the young comics who start to develop that sense and then all of a sudden notice those people – then bring it to everyone's attention. It's like, oh, you just killed the room because they didn't. No one else knew, huh. and it's trying to figure out how to know, like when to call attention to it and when to know. Yeah, if I don't bring it up, no one's gonna give a that, shit. Isn't
2: that weird? That's such because it happens to me every night. There'll always be someone in the front or second row or they're coming a little closer to the mic, and they just. Yeah, and they're just bored. <laughs> eye rolling, yawning, why, why did you come out watch? tonight? Right, and you're like, what the fuck? And couldn't you have sat in the back? Yeah. If you sat in the back, I wouldn't have been able to actually see you physically. Yeah. Be bored with my ass. <laughs> and then for me, it's always a matter of, do I attack them or leave them alone? And like you say, discretion, discretion, discretion. Someone's playing like Newberry in England or something. And I remember calling my wife, this is before cell phones, like on a pay phone after the show. And she goes, how was the show tonight? And I go... They were douchebags and I ripped him a new asshole. And she goes, Well, that must have made you feel good. <laughs> and I hung up the phone. And I was like, God damn it, she's right. That well, was what frustrated well, me. Well, I know, but anything. that's, you know, I mean, even
1: from the, uh, the earliest days of me actually, I mean, obviously I've, I've known who you are and been a fan of yours since, you know, the Who's Line days. Uh, but the first time I, I got to start seeing you do live comedy, there was a certain thing that I noticed you would do and I always was like, "Oh man, I would I can I I would love to be that confident on stage, which is I would see you I feel like say some things that you knew were going to go over the audience's head so that they could challenge you or not get it so that then you could just fucking go after them and it was <laughs> so much fun. It was so much fun to watch because as a young comic who was kind of afraid in the beginning of audiences, it was the, ex- the polar opposite of, like, not only are you not afraid of an audience, you are daring them to challenge you so that you can f- try to fuck them up. And to me, that was just, like, the ultimate power in a room.
2: That's very nice of you to say. I probably still do it a little bit. Weinhold once said, I tell one joke, and then I spend ten minutes telling the audience why they were too stupid to get the joke. <laughs> But I will go after. Although I didn't do it last weekend, I will go after crowds. If they if they're not giving me what I want, I go after them, and I will cock slap them until they come around to my way. And they usually like it, which is what's
1: weird. So, who do you think, who do you think comedy is for? Do you think it's for the audience, or do you think it's for the performer, or is it just for both of us?
2: Well, it's for both of us. I mean, I, I do it for myself. Someone asked me the other day, "Do you?" uh try to tailor material so that the audience will like it was it wasn't in a stand-up context it was in some other like comedy thing do you try to write material so they get it and i was like no <laughs> you can't uh oh with my podcast do you do you tailor your podcast to make sure the audience gets it sure I was like no i talk about the obscure shit i mean you're you're prima you're the biggest example in the world of you didn't take something that everyone likes. You took what you liked, sure, and you made it into a thing well,
1: that's the ultimate goal of a standup, I think, is to, you know, it's just that Bill Hicks thing of like, however he said it, but, you know, the more the more you you are, the less competition you have. Yeah,
2: you've already got a product, you. Yeah, you don't have to be like all the other ones. And i I've felt like as a stand-up, I, um in the same field as a million other people. But then when I started doing the podcast and it's sort of evolved over the last couple of years, the more obscure I make it, the more I make it about what I like to talk about. Mm-hmm. And the more I ignore utterly what television or any other media would demand of stand-up, the more people have responded to me personally.
1: Well, I think there's a real – I think there's something inherently fun about – even if you don't get exactly what someone's talking about – there's an energy that you pick up on when you know that someone cares a shitload about what they're saying and they know what they're talking about. Even if you don't know – even if you don't understand the material, yeah. it's still it's still interesting and fun to watch.
2: I agree. Uh, I, I think people watch the old British shoes line and you know how Americans are. Anything that's even vaguely foreign, they like lose their shit entirely. Sure. Like if they hear the word twiglet or John Major or something, they'll be like <laughs> – but what's John Major? And it's like, he's a prime minister. What's a prime minister? Right. uh, But I think it was fun for them. Like, people, I think the, part of the excitement of it was they go like, man, I couldn't figure half that stuff out, but it was great, you know. It, well,
1: yeah, I mean, obviously there were references that I didn't get when I was, and then there was no internet at the time to rush over and be like, who is that person? No, there wasn't. I just, I just, I mean, there there was there was an internet, but it was still, I think, relatively DARPA-based, and, oh, yeah. and it wasn't really, but, uh, but I think, uh, but I, I remember still responding to the fact that the crowd there fucking ate it up. Ooh. So I was like, oh, okay, I don't know what that is. Is, but it's obviously a thing because everyone right. else gets it.
2: Why is everyone laughing at a Torvald and Dean reference? And they're like, Who the fuck <laughs> Even when I was there, I didn't get things. And even now when I play there, I'll go to the comedy store or whatever and we'll be doing improv and they'll yell shit out that's just completely, I don't know what you're talking about. That's some sort of 60s or 70s English shit that you guys all know that I don't know. Yeah. And they also have way more of a collective memory. Like they hilariously, well, since we were just interrupted by English people, uh, they all use the same phrases, and Americans do, kind of, but not as much as English people like. They'll say, uh, at the end of the day, or um, uh, uh, easy peasy lemon squeezy, sure. or I'm chuffed, or tiggity boo.
1: Right. And, like,
2: everybody knows what it means. And, like, here, there is still, we're so big. It's just, still yeah. more regional things, and more, like, you know, that country, and in Australia, too, I find, like, they, they really do, they lean on catchphrases to help... You know, the lubricity of socializing is if you go to Oz, and I'm sure you've been, it is G'day, mate. And good bless. We well, yeah, because there's only like, like 18 million. There's only 18 human. million of them. Right, and the continent's vast, and there's 12 of them, and, and mostly yeah. uninhabitable. <laughs> yes, and wildly uninhabitable, like just lizard spitting poison. And They're just
1: there <laughs> are <laughs> puffs, of, puffs of vile things it's that if you touch like they, your skin. <laughs> carnivorous birds yeah, it, it, and it really is fucking baby sized spiders, and oh, you yeah. know, it's just there. There are coastal people. That thrive on the coast, and then they just you know going inland sucks. You know you don't Pretty go to much. you don't go to Alice Springs. I I've been to uh, yeah, I mean I've I've been to uh, Brisbane and Melbourne and uh, and Sydney and you know just kind of a kind of around yeah. that you know Queensland. Me too. Queensland, Brisbane,
2: but I've never been in the interior, flown over it. I've never, never been, been to Perth, I've never been or to Perth. or Tasmania. Oh, I did go to Perth on the last trip. I've never been to Darwin, which is way the fuck, uh, up there. Uh, Perth was better than I thought. I really enjoyed Perth, and also Bon Scott is from uh, Perth and his buried there, so we were very excited by that. Um, uh, Perth is deeply Asian because it's, it's closer, it's on sure. the other side, and like there were so many Chinese people there. And all of the, um, you know, a, a, another way when you go to different places around the world, like you're in California, the people who cook the food are Mexicans. In Los Angeles, the people who drive the cabs, are russians and armenians mm-hmm. you got uh, australia the people who drive the cabs are south africans you know like there's always a sure. program sure yeah people are brought in from another country uh and then you go to london sometimes and you get in a cab and where are you from uh i'm from uh, uh, bulgaria what do you do there i'm an engineer <laughs> i'm smarter than everyone who gets in this fucking cab yeah it's just that i'm here and i can't I can't do what I was trained well, I to do. In Australia, people say, that, like, people come from Indonesia and, like, what do you mean in Indonesia? What do you do in Indonesia? I'm a physician. Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing here? I'm driving you around. Could you asshole.
1: please just pretend to choke on something so I could try to practice <laughs> the thing that I was trained to do? Because this you know, isn't it.
2: That's all economics. But uh, yeah, I don't know. They, uh, the fun part of doing all that travel is, is uh, trying to communicate with people in every. Well, anglophone people. Let's be honest. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not <laughs> trading in any other language right now. But I did the podcast in Australia and I did the podcast in New Zealand. I talked about them to some extent, and then I talked about the shit I wanted to talk about. But I think they like it too. You know, they, there is a slight inferiority thing uh, with Australians and Kiwis because they're not close to us it, it, physically and. uh uh or England, which is the motherland for them. We're not the motherland for them in any no. way, other than sort of the media. Kind of, uh, they're much more influenced by England and um I, I always think they do because the English people treat them that way. One, but also too, yeah. they feel a little. They like to be recognized. Well, and then also culture.
1: Personally, I don't think they should still have the law of prima nocte. I mean, I don't think it's. <laughs> I don't support it. It's. I think that really has it's had a lot of. For them. <laughs> <laughs> it just makes them feel good.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Makes him happy, Chris gonna, For the song? Queen Lunge Yeah <laughs> Otherwise, the PM, the Prime Minister in Australia a few years ago When the Queen went down there, patted her on the back He cl- gave her a good old clap on the back <laughs> You're not supposed to even touch her, <laughs> But it was like Australia's so, oh, oh, All I was the only LA, them. Oh, yeah, good just boy. give you a good pat on the back there Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you're alright Yeah Oh, get up there off the floor. Yeah, right. Oh. Have a bit of Victoria beer. <laughs> yeah, they're uh, right. VB. Hard- Have a bit of VB. Yeah,
1: thing. Yeah, when I oh, that's when I was still, boy, when I was in Australia last time, I was still, I was still in uh in it, was still boozy hardwick. So it was like VB and Crown Lager and oh, yeah. you know, all these great beers, and they don't drink Falsters. No, they don't drink <laughs> it at all. They
2: think it's a joke. <laughs> Uh, that is always amusing.
1: I want, but they do love bloomin'
2: onions. I'll tell you. Yeah, they do, man. <laughs> they'll love a bloomin' onion on you, and it's, they'll eat. Uh, what do they call them? Bugs? The you know, they are like the little crayfish. Oh yeah, they're the bugs. Uh, something bay bugs. I can't remember the uh, name. Um, damn it! I know.
1: I know what you're talking yeah, about.
2: The crowd will have to go Google it. <laughs> they will. Bugs. They eat bugs. Yeah, they do.
1: I almost. I've never performed in Australia though. I feel like you know so much of my this mis- year. This would kill there. The whole you know the game culture. The we should we should go do some pod- You know, it's just the economics of it. I mean, it's it's yeah, hard. It's-, it's hard. You know, it's uh, it's your 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 podcast is essentially you. M- my podcast is me and Matt and Jonah, and so it just becomes three times more expensive to take right. the podcast on the road, especially we'll
2: drop that dead weight and just go down on your own and have <laughs> them be on the phone.
1: Hey, we're doing all right here right now. Right? <laughs> uh No, I love those jerks, I know. but, but I, but I do, you know, I, I, w- I would love to bring them there, but just the, you know, especially the economics of getting, getting to Australia. It's just like,
2: well, it's like uh five or six grand just to get there. Yeah, and then, it is. uh, yeah, it is. You know. and then staying cause you can't go for two days. Although I know guys who go for two days. Um, fucking you crazy. You really have to put some weeks in when you're there. Well yeah, it's it's
1: uh, 13 and a half hours to Sydney yeah. and then and then just from Sydney just getting to other you know places around there it's, it's- so it's like when you're there, you should be there. I've always wanted to go to New Zealand, too, like dying to go to New Zealand. you
2: love it. I really love New Zealand. My wife doesn't love it quite as much as I do, but I really love it. We were there last year, but I had been to New Zealand about five years, and Australia i hadn't been to since the 90s, and it had changed so much for the better. It was way less sexist. It was way more worldly. The internet had changed it. In 97, I remember having a computer in New Zealand. Like that first Mac, you know, that was like the yay big and you had to put hard disks in it to program it. And like some of them failed when it got programmed. So it (laughs) it always crashed every two seconds. And there was no such thing as like an internet. And the big exciting part was faxing on it. Oh, yes. fax using the computer because you could do that, but you couldn't really do anything. Yeah, 97. And then, of course, now... Everything's wired. There's a lot less of, like, I remember there in 97 could, couldn't get over that they, a guy would come up and go, Have met those Sheila's eye. Like, calling women Sheila's and shit and calling Aborigines abos. Yeah. And like, you're like, I'm not that comfortable with this. <laughs> can I'm
1: in California. I, I don't really, know what your specific racism yeah. is, but I can feel that it's <laughs> it, coming it, out uh, right now, and I don't feel comfortable yeah, right now. It was it. a
2: lot less of it. I mean, I remember working with a, a a Kiwi comic named Mike King, and he was a great big Maori, and he was gorgeous, and so was his wife. You know, um, and they're. From New Zealand. And when they would come on stage, when Mike would come on stage in Oz, eh, eh, the whole crowd, eh, eh, eh. like, you're a sheep fucker. Oh, well, that sucks. Can you believe that? I mean, like, can you imagine a, a comic from Alabama stepping on stage in L.A. and everyone in the crowd going, mm, you know what I mean? Like,
1: you Actually, I can imagine
2: that, yeah. Well, yes, you can. <laughs> well, in Simi Valley, here's the point. <laughs> but they kind of stopped doing that. But I remember him saying to me, everywhere I go on stage, in this country, and I'm introduced as a Kiwi, they bleat when I walk on. And oh my God! He was six foot three, and gorgeous, and really funny. And I thought, you have to put up with this shit, you know, like really. Uh, but they kind of, like I say, that's over, and uh, they're a little more evolved, and they're being invaded by China, like especially Perth. Um, they're really having to deal with the whole international. Their part, you know. I would always, I would just call them, say, it's nice to be here in South Asia, and they'd boom, you know. <laughs> but look where you are. You're here, and Asia's Asia. here. We're, we're nowhere near you. I know you have white people culture, but frankly, <laughs> when, when they go on holiday, they don't, they go to Thailand, you know, or Bali or whatever. That's what's close.
1: I am sad that I've not been to an Asian country yet.
2: Me neither. I've never been. I'm so woefully, I'm having drinks with a buddy who oh, I'd known from years ago named Russell. And uh, Russell and I have drinks, and he's telling me about doing corporate gigs. And you know, when you, you, I don't know how many corporate gigs you do, but I'm sure you've done them. I have. I don't do a lot of them. They're weird. They're weird, and it, they're always uncomfortable. Now I feel
1: like if I were to do it, it would have to be a tremendous amount of money to offset right. the sort of awkwardness. But, but
2: don't you, aren't you able to put together, like, your own type of corporate gigs? Like, you know, like Comic-Con is, a, is in essence... Like I guess it's a trade show. Yeah, yeah. You know what, Comic Con's like a trade show. Right into the, I just like, the meant, mix. listen, if it were a corporate
1: gig in a sphere that I understood, I, like if it was a video game company or a, you know, or a, or a software company or you know, something, then then I would be fine. But if it was like, you know mutual of omaha right, right. is our ibm ha-
2: presents chris Hardwick. we're having our
1: our annual sales convention yeah, yeah. you know then i then i feel a little less comfortable oh, no, in the in the, horrible. in those they're situations horrible.
2: i mean they're not some are good but it, we're sitting there drinking and talking and he goes uh, uh, i had to go do this corporate gig we we're doing improv and i'm like well where was it and he's like um ho chi minh city and i'm like <laughs> i have to go in a you know, Cleveland you know, the corporate. I like was just bumming like, but when I do a corporate gig, it's in Tampa. I want to go to Bali for my corporate gig. But you know, it's the same thing. When they get there, it's a bunch of drunk Aussie corporate people. Yeah. You know, it's no funner. It's just that the location is like you go, fuck me. You got to go to Vietnam.
1: Yeah.
2: It just sounds so romantic. But I'm sure he's thinking, you got to go to Tampa.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Well, maybe not. No, no maybe not. I overemphasize <laughs> that one. But I do think, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure there's some parts of it, you know, where they go, oh, you live so close to South America, you must love to just pop right. down to Brazil all the time, you're like, ah, no, we don't, not a lot Mexico
2: City, you must be there every week. No,
1: no, No, we're just, uh, unfortunately, we're pretty America-centric here.
2: I am, and I'm Euro-centric. I mean, I go to Europe way more than I'm, I'd like to add Australia and New Zealand way more, but like you say, it's a logistical thing, and uh, England is much easier to get to, and I've got more connections, frankly, to go over there all the time.
1: Man, if I lived in New York, I'd go to Europe all
2: the time. Isn't that the truth? Well, uh, five, five, six, seven hours, you're there. I was just in Philly, and a guy was like, I flew to London with my wife, and we really loved it. I'm like, I would be there, like, every weekend because it's a seven-hour flight from there. It's 11 bloody hours from here. It takes, you know, it takes forever. And, and again, you
1: know, it's, it's that planning of, like, well, you can't just go for a day because your whole first day yep. and a half is travel. And then there's, like, two days adjusting to the time difference. Yeah. And then it's like, okay, now I have four or five days. Now I have to get two days back, you know, and then, and then adjust again for another week. It's, it's just such a commitment.
2: I did go over once for one day. Oh. I have I have been across the puddle for one day and come right back, but it's not a great idea. No, 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 no. I had to do a gig once and went over for like a, you know, 40, 36 hours or whatever and boom. And I've come over here for one day and come back to England before. Oh, to From LA? London, yeah. Oh, Jesus. Because I had a gig and I had to do it, but it was like, that is not ideal. Uh, frankly, when you're there, and I don't know how you are when you're traveling, I mean, I have to travel so much, and sometimes I get really sick of it, and I want to come home and just lay there. But I generally love it. And, but if I'm in, in England or Europe, I don't, I'm not desperate to come home. Right. Like I'm not like after two weeks. You know, do you remember when the Friends went to England in the 90s on their TV show, like the TV show Friends? It yeah. was like a F subplot where they went to England, and they introduced an English character and all this shit. And I remember them going on the show, I'm homesick. After, like, a week in England, I was like, you live in New York. <laughs> <laughs> Homestick for what? You know what I mean? New York's going to be there. Surely, after two weeks in London, you're not like, fuck, I gotta get home. <laughs> well, I,
1: I'm, I, you know, I wouldn't go to London now because of the Olympics, because it's probably oh, a no. fucking no. Uh, clusterfuck of, I mean, I was just there last December, and even just in,
2: that's even the- I there. That's
1: right, that's right, I saw you there, because oh, right, <laughs> you, yeah. you did set list and, and killed, yeah. and, uh, and even just uh, just the pre Olympic buildup of oh. construction stuff, uh, you couldn't get anywhere in town. No. I mean, it was if you if the tube didn't go to it, you were not getting there in any reasonable amount of time. No,
2: you were, it was going to take an hour and forty five minutes.
1: Just no. I mean, like the kind of I mean, we bitch about traffic in the city, but just nonstop all the time congestion around central London. That just there was would there's nowhere
2: to go. No. I know, it's really, people don't notice because um, I'll say that to them, they like, uh, uh, you know, the traffic's bad in LA, sometimes it's excruciating, if you're on the 405, or you get caught on a freeway, or it's late at night, or whatever, or late at night, you're, like, you're coming back from the Irvine Improv, and it's 1130, and you're driving back to LA, and there's a traffic jam, where the traffic like
1: is completely stopped. Closed off two of the lanes, right, or the five, you know. or I'm something, like, this is one yeah. One.
2: But London is just, mm-mm. sometimes you literally <laughs> sit there for two hours and go, this sucks, balls. I was there two weeks ago. I went to do Geeks Out of the River with some friends of mine. And uh, I got in a cab and the guy goes, it's a bus strike today. So it's madness. Oh. Uh, I, it cra- I got a ride home, fortunately, when my friends had a car, which nobody has in London, but my friend had a car. So he drove me back, but I was just like. You go, so the Olympics, there's a zillion people there. Yesterday, all the athletes arrived. And it was the busiest day at Heathrow ever. And you think, busier than it usually? Well, and the city is old enough that
1: most of the streets were not really designed for cars. No, there's no straight
2: lines. There's no straight road anywhere. Like, it's all 1665. It's all Plague Road, you know. Like, a curve. this is where we throw the shit from a bucket down on you. And this is where the <laughs> cattle. Then there'll be, like, a straight road for two feet, and then it turns again, and you're like, there's no such thing as a freeway or a grid in the whole bloody island.
1: What's funny, we were just talking about this on... Um, The Nerdist TV show for for BBC America, uh, uh, which I might as well plug. We're coming back July 28th. All right. So but we did an episode devoted to time travel. And, of course, the question of, you know, what other time period would you want to live in? And some people go, you know, I'd really love to live in Victorian England. And then you think about like the daily sort of like what that would mean every day. And you're like. You'd survive for a half a day but just when you said like right. th- but like throwing buckets of shit out onto the street I like no no clean water buckets of shit no uh-huh. refrigeration no you no know air conditioning no air conditioning no- are
2: stifling. <laughs> And you're wearing a collar if you have any class if you, you have any money at all you're wearing a collar that's starched that you've pinned to the back yeah you have to put a collar on yeah. and sometimes cuffs too and then if they get stained you have to get rid of them and that could be insanely uncomfortable you're always gonna hat. Right? Now, so just check your hat everywhere you go. Just, just because
1: it's me and this this <laughs> podcast, here's a classy question: Which era do you think had the smelliest balls?
2: <laughs> I would say probably the, the Middle Ages of the Renaissance, where people didn't bathe at all, right, uh, and wore the same clothes every day, and there wasn't a lot of shaving or uh, manscaping going on uh, down right. there. Uh, I think in the ancient times, certain cultures were cleaner than others. Like yep. I say, the, the bathing cultures. You were lucky. Uh, the Romans always made fun of the the Germans and the French because they're hairy. Right. Whenever you see barbarians in Roman friezes and whatnot, you know those carvings. The yep. They've always they're always stepping on them, and their horses are crushing them. <laughs> And the barber- and the they're hairy, <laughs> big beards, big hair, and the Romans are all, mmm, you know, totally. Even sh- their beards are, you know, totally trimmed and like no hair, no Chester, no hair. not at all. So Iggy Pop, <laughs> <laughs> they really went with that Iggy Pop feel. Did they? Did they wax? Is that how they? Is that how they? They used olive oil and razors, and then supposedly the Emperor Augustus, when he was a teenager, when he was shagging older men to make his way forward in the world, used hot walnut shells to debilitate his legs. Really? Yes. How does that work? You just you just get a you su- rub them up and down until the... the, the, the you just burn, burn the hair off? off the hair, yeah, oh. so that you're a smooth, young thing. Oh, wow. They were way into that. They, they all were, but when has that changed? We live in Penn State world like it doesn't fucking exist now. Well, I
1: uh, I always kind of toy with the idea of like, I'll just because I, you know, I'll just shave all the hair off the front of my butt because it's just kind of gross and itchy. And in the summer, yeah. it gets itchy, and you know. But I never feel more like a serial like the couple times that I've actually stood in the shower and taken a razor to my chest, I right. feel like a fucking serial killer. Oh yeah, yeah like yeah. and I'm now I'm going
2: around the nipple
1: and right, uh, right. just make sure we get everything clean. Must be clean. Hair is dirty.
2: Later, I'll do a thousand push-ups. <laughs> a Christian Bale. I'll do then I use a, I use a cleanser. And then I use a post-cleanser.
1: And then I'll get a very specific card stock yeah. and then give it to my my friends.
2: Oh, yeah. The, the male vanity is a, is a, is a double-edged sword. <laughs> it's, it's important for men to look and smell good, but there's a certain point where let it go. Yeah, exactly. I,
1: go. I just I can't get on board um, uh, plucked male eyebrows. It's always weird to me. It always looks... I know, I know it's it's cleaner a little bit, but for some reason, it just it just looks off. That's like nothing Yeah.
2: The only reason you should pluck it is if you have a huge unibrow. Yes, You've got yes, to yes. Clear the middle area. Just make sure there are two of them. Right, that's it. But, but don't start. You know, no, don't, no, when you see them shaped. Uh, what's that? What's that newscaster on Fox? Shepherd Ferry? There's a newscaster No, Shepherd Ferry is the artist who did oh, the. Oh, what did they get wrong? Oh, what's his name? <laughs> Shepherd Smith. All, Shepard Faire is the artist <laughs> 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 Let me just slam someone Completely <laughs> erroneously You know that Shepard Faire The artist who did Obama's thing He plucks his eyebrows
1: Loves like to that. pluck his eyebrows But one of them's blue And one of them's red And then his face is gray Yeah
2: there's all these uh, weird tones <laughs> These be- <laughs> and he walks around with a logo underneath his chest at all times. It's pretty it's pretty yes Shepherd we can. Smith I think his name is and it's clear that he's at Botox like everyone else on TV. Sure. And it's clear that he's had, you know, some injectables and maybe some, you know, light spray tanning, but he's also completely plucked them so that you're like, dude, dude, you you really do, you shouldn't look like, you know, that feminine. <laughs> I like when women pluck them entirely and then draw them back in. Now that's so an
1: interesting idea. Well, that's sort of the old like I mean, I, I don't have – my grand, my my mother's mother died when I was probably five years old. But what I do remember of her was this kind of 60s, 50s, 60s thing that carried over into the 70s for older ladies, which was they just basically took a fucking Sharpie yeah. and then just, wah! Just like one of those – or just a thick, you know, those thick permanent markers yeah. that you just – open it up and then you get lightheaded the second it hits the air right. and then just <laughs> fucking draw that, just that,
2: that comma over their eyeballs, yeah. that thick, thick, thick. Right. And the red lipstick. And the red
1: bright hair. red lipstick. Yeah, and yeah. then, you know, there was just like a, there was like a, 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 a powdery base uh-huh. underneath where you would just see like kind of light, uh, light facial hair yeah. kind of, uh, you know, just bursting forward a little bit. And then. Uh, and then th- this a thick pungent odor of rose water or something mm-hmm. something.
2: The jangly bracelets. Yep. And then maybe a, a, a you're from Kentucky, maybe a chicken with candy in it, a, a porcelain chicken or whatever. Oh yeah 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 with with, uh, with a yeah hard candies
1: with hard, hard candies or uh, or butterscotch, butterscotch or like scotch. yeah the
2: little ribbony butterscotch things. Yep. Yep. And then the the, the 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 fake glass cherries that had a wooden. Stem? Oh, yeah, I remember were, those. Like a side thing? Like wh- when did that decor take hold? I don't know. I think in those days in. there were
1: really about only five or six things that people could buy for their houses.
2: Right. And they were all in avocado and goldenrod. And every- <laughs> everyone had them.
1: <laughs> but now, we, uh, now we're international traders oh, yeah. because of the Internet. <laughs>
2: right, you can have an oriental rug now
1: so when uh, uh, so smart
2: the smartest man in the world uh, wh- it's on Tuesdays at 8 uh, no that's no, uh, so, 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 We gotta get a you gotta get a better time slot for your your podcast, your podcast. <laughs> 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 you gotta not follow <laughs> he, got, he was joking about it and I go when's yours on he's like Tuesday at 8 I go I got prime time I'm Wednesday at 9 <laughs> I,
1: and, and man, I keep my lead in we're on Mondays at midnight yeah, I can't get this, this fucking, fucking sucks, time man. slot tired on the fucking network man yeah, yeah, yeah. keep me down Oh wait! I'm the shit. network. Oh shit! Yeah. Oops.
2: I was gonna say you you can't say that. Why do I hate myself? Um, mine is uh, on iTunes, and uh, 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 or you can go to Proopcast.com or GregProops.com. and I make one every week. It's a weekly show. Uh, I don't know when this show is dropping. I think I, might, I think I might. I think I might drop this one tomorrow. Well then, next week on the twenty fifth, I will be showing Point Break at the CineFamily and Family, uh, and doing the podcast around it. Oh, I don't fantastic! The movie that's Doug shtick. Yeah, uh, But I'll do a half hour before, we'll show the picture, and then we'll do we'll like have a little discussion after. I did Buckaroo Bonsai a month ago, speaking of Nerdist. Fantastic. And uh, it was really, I couldn't believe it was like a Tuesday night. There was like 150 people there. Everyone loves Buckaroo Bonsai, and they never got a sequel. I didn't know that, though. I picked it because I love it, and my wife was like, really? Buckaroo <laughs> Bonsai? Because I don't meet that many women who like the movie, and she's never seen it. I know a few, but not a lot, and... God damn it, the place was fucking heaving. Sure. And now I found, and this was my mistake, one was to love you, girl. But secondly, my other mistake <laughs> was <laughs> uh, I take questions after and people are going, um, how come there wasn't a scene? You know, now I'm having to be like I was a producer. Well,
1: they of the think image. you're an expert on Bang! the film. Yeah.
2: Like, no, no, like, no, I'm just. ai I, just watched it a bunch of times. Yeah. I didn't really like.
1: You so know. And then and now, so now point break.
2: Yeah, now Point Break. Point Break I've seen a billion times. I don't care about the producing or anything. And uh, no one's going to ask for a sequel because Bodie doesn't come back. Right. Uh, spoiler alert. Uh, but that is amazing fun. I didn't think it – I mean, I asked to do it, and then they gave me a date, and I had no idea it was actually going to work. I thought, like, I really had visions – you know, Chris, when you think you put up a gig and you think, there's going to be fucking yeah, it's gonna be me and ten other sad people, and we're gonna have to do this anyway. I always think that. <laughs> I always think
1: that. <laughs> I always think that. I always say. I always say to my girlfriend, and I, I I'm never fishing, and I'm, I'm not. I mean it sincerely. Like, we're doing this podcast, this thing. No one's gonna show up. I don't know what I'm right. doing. I don't know what. Right. And, and then you know, and then pe- hundreds of people. There, then people right. show up, and then I feel okay. But it never. I, I still never. You're talking about. I never get used to the idea. I'm always like, no one's gonna fucking show up no, to this me thing.
2: Either. Well, I mean, my wife said it to me the other day. Why don't you take a day off? And I'm like, because if I don't work, that's the end.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> if this, this I will is, be stricken from the rules uh, of show business. I'll tell you what it is. is I was like, all, uh, all of us, like, I think a lot of us who have the podcast and are building out all these different things, it's like, uh, we're all, it, we're all the plot of speed. Like, I cannot go below 55 miles an hour. If this bus stops, it fucking blows up.
2: Uh, this will blow up on me. <laughs> if I don't put one out for one week, that's the it's, end of the it's over. world.
1: <laughs> Everyone's going to unsubscribe. I'll never work again.
2: You suck. I I couldn't believe when I started it that, like, I was doing it twice a month. I thought, well, surely no one will want more than that. And then it was like, where's the new one? Right. And I didn't quite get it regular for the first couple of months. And it was like, it would come out on a Tuesday, you know? Yeah. And then they'd be like, Where's the fucking now? Yeah, he's like, you listen to an hour and a half of blather and still <laughs> want more. So now we put it out on a regular basis on Fridays. Excellent. Uh, but yeah, it's been the funnest thing I've ever done, and uh, and I say that with all sincerity. I've done stand up, I've done improv, I've done a million things, and the fucking podcast is.
1: Well, yeah, because it's all you. You take full responsibility and ownership over it, and it's you don't. You literally just get to be, even if you're on stage and you're still and you're still saying like, "Well, I'm going to do what I want to do." There's still a certain amount of give and take that you have yeah. to have with the audience because it's a relationship. But on your podcast, you're just you, yeah. and it's sort of like people can either take that or leave it. And so, you know, when people when people say to me online like, "You should do more of this," or "You shouldn't do as much of that," and I'm like. Don't listen! I'm not gonna change. This is yeah. I. This is who I. This is what I want to do, and it makes me happy. Yeah. And you're not paying for it, so right. That's you know, like to, you know. I mean, I I hope you like it, but
2: if you don't, I'm I can't do anything about that. Cause... I'm not gonna add more about the Hulk every week just because you like that. <laughs> but that's what people want. You know? oh, I should you do should that though. You talk more about these things, and you're like, um, no, I'm gonna talk about what I like to talk about because <laughs> it's my sh- and because so- it's free. Why don't you fast forward? <laughs> Right to the end and see if you find something you like. Well I will say during the middle of mine, flip over to Dana Gold. Right. You're not gonna like this part. <laughs> or you know, flip flip I'll just name any other podcaster, you know. Flip <laughs> over to Jimmy Pardo. You'll find his more interesting during the next twenty minutes of my show.
1: <laughs> well it's uh it's a pleasure to have you on again, Greg. Greg Proops, you were on one of our earlier earlier podcasts. Well, was there, I
2: guess it was a couple of years ago.
1: Yeah, it was in the beginning. You were on in the beginning. Really? Was you were you were beginning? in the first you were probably within the first twenty episodes, I think. Really? Yeah. How
2: exciting. Well, thank you for having me back.
1: Great. It's good. It's good to see you again. I and miss the boys, but say hi to them. Probably. I will say hi. Jonah is having, Jonah's getting his wisdom teeth out. How old is he? Uh, almost thirty.
2: Oh my! That's yeah. going to Hurt.
1: So, and then poor Matt Myra got the nerd flu at Comic Con, so he's he's down From for the count. People. From touching people, you know, I find it's always best to uh, just like just take your finger and then just 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 take a like a swath of sweat off the side of their face and then just rub it into your eyeball. Oh. It's all, Can
2: I ask you one Comic Con? Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Two. Here's my first one. Yes. Um, are hot chicks infiltrating Comic Con wearing funny outfits, doing cosplay outfits, just because they know that it'll be popular, or are they legitimately? Hot chicks going there wearing, like, Wonder Woman outfits. A little from column A, a little from column B. But here's what I think happened. I
1: think the, those of us who are old enough to remember when uh, nerd culture was a very specific section of people, mm-hmm. of early adopters who had to seek it out when it was not popular and suffered for that, I think, um, you know, there's a certain degree of, like... You know, oh, those attractive people can't really be into this shit because nerds are this very specific. Yeah. But what we found is that because nerd culture in the last, you know, let's say 10, 15 years yeah. has become so ubiquitous and, and, and has become such a an integral part of pop culture, you find that a lot of people of all walks of life just happened to – it was available to them. And, you know, maybe – Maybe there were maybe there were people who were awkward when they were younger that maybe grew into right. you know they became more physically attractive or whatever. But 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 whether or not they were attractive as kids or not, the fact is that so much of this is acceptable now. Right. That kids who've grown up in the last ten years are just people. You know, like everyone. You know, like there's there like I think our sort of '80s archetypal structure is is not entirely accurate anymore.
2: Right. Although I keep reading all the jokes about it. It's always the same. It's a bunch of fat guys who don't bathe and... Yeah, yeah, which is
1: because that's how how, uh, mainstream media still represents nerd culture. And yeah, okay, sure. Yes, there are fat people who like nerdy things. There are skinny people who like nerdy things. There are attractive people. There are jocks who like nerdy... Like, it just... It's become so much a part of the culture now that, you know that there are there are, there are, but there are definitely some people who are exploiting it there are definitely some people who are like ha ah, here's where the money is i'm going to put on this outfit yeah. and go take advantage of it but there are also just genuinely you know what what you said exists there are people from all walks of life who 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 are into i comic con this year was fucking amazing i don't know you know it was more crowded than i've ever seen it but just the energy was really really good this all year nice. yeah so it was really fun
2: hey, i went to one in 80 80 Wow. In San Francisco, yeah. That was a true comics con. Oh, yeah. We performed and we used to do... I was in a comedy group and we did a parody of um, Empire Strikes Back. (laughs) Oh, wow. And, uh, uh, yeah. And uh, I was Luke Skyscraper or some (laughs) awful goddamn shit, you know. And um, that was like... The real deal as far as there were people selling comic books. Mm -hmm. There was people selling movie memorabilia, but it was real small. It was in San Francisco at this little venue and shit like that. And, Mm -hmm. you know, just to see it blow up to be like this national. Here's my second question, which is completely self-serving. Sure. I was in The Phantom Menace. Uh, I'm in a new movie called The Hell and Back. Uh, I was in Nightmare Before Christmas. Do I have enough Comic-Con credentials to go down there as an entity and appear? Yes, you do, because you have... You know, uh, you know, these
1: comics like the bigger comic cons have become just sort of like media cons. And so for a lot of people who grew up, you know, or or who were adults who remember you from whose line, then then you're going to so you're going to have a section of those people. You're going to have a section of people that love you for the podcast. You're going to have a section of people that love your stand up. You're going to have a section of people that recognize you as the announcer from the pod races, you know. So you're going to have you're going to have like five or six really significant things that i think are going to draw people out to see you i i if so i were you I, you I i i think you should do it i think you should absolutely do it i've never you, gone and I you and you can experiment if you don't want to if you don't want to go straight to uh, to the juggernaut of San Diego Comic-Con yeah. there are smaller ones you could hit that i think you'd enjoy like emerald city or phoenix comic-con or 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 new york comic-con or okay. C two E two in Chicago or or actually Star Wars
2: Celebration would be good for you in Orlando because you are in one of the films. Yeah. Um, so I used to get offers, but they're always from creepy dudes that put a lot of exclamation points in their emails. <laughs> and and I always thought, do I want to whore up that bad? I'll tell you. I'll
1: tell you which ones to go to, and and you know you can. Uh, and 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 a lot of times, by the way, we are doing pod live podcasts of right. these things. So you could just come be a guest on our show if you want to yeah. also have something to do, or you could do your own podcast. I mean, I, I think there's enough. I think you have enough cred in this world, especially as sort of uh, as sort of uh, British influenced and academic and as you are. If I think only had you...
2: been on a Doctor Who. Oh man,
1: <laughs> one episode. I know. I mean, there are people who who will go and sign stuff that were you know on one famous episode of one of really? one show. Absolutely.
2: See, that's what I was always wondering. I mean, I I have a few things that I know people comment people like, you know, Nightmare Before Christmas and shit like that. I don't have a huge parts in anything, but I'm in them. Yeah. And I thought, but I've just never bothered to go. Like I say, every time I get the emails with five exclamation points, I panic. I still think the podcast would be, you know, would
1: be your biggest draw. It's just, that's just the way it is. That's just the way it is now. Like our podcasts are really the anchors of, of, uh, you know, why people are familiar with us because a comics job is to get their voice into the world as much as possible and since that's not as available on television anymore it is you know that the podcast has become our survival mechanism we you know like like rats we have gone from the one sinking ship and burrowed into some other place to try to thrive is that the truth and 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 it and it's working and we're thriving and so it's really we've managed to squeeze into this this whole new medium that never existed before. It's it's a really fun, interesting time to be a comedian. I agree. And a time that is not just about how do you get on stage and tell jokes, but how do you how do you innovate being able to do mm-hmm. that? And so for me it's a real it's it's really it's really a fun time. Uh but uh Greg Proops at Greg Proops on Twitter and uh and all the, the other things com. you said. Yeah, Greg Proops. Come com. and visit
2: me. Download me for free.
1: Yes, uh the smartest man in the world on iTunes. Uh, this is Chris Hardwick signing off here on the NATO podcast. Sorry, Matt and Jonah couldn't be here, but uh, y'all stay safe out there in podcast land. This is the most radio-ish way that I've ever ended the podcast.
2: So long, everybody. <laughs> this is your old pal Greg Poop saying goodbye from Hollywood. Goodbye, and enjoy your burritos. <laughs> da, 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 da.
1: Marching into the future, the Nerdist podcast.
2: Now the camera turns to the world of entertainment. At Comic-Con, there's a lot of cosplay going on. Watch <laughs> out with those lightsabers. <laughs> Boing.
1: Old man Hitler wouldn't dare to tread on these grounds. <laughs>
2: we always used to do an England a radio <laughs> show. Here's one in the eye for you, Mr. Hitler, and off we go.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Looks like you could use a shave, Mr. Hitler.
2: <laughs> <laughs> now leaving Nerdist.com.
1: This episode of the Nerdist Podcast is brought to you by Comicsology with an X Comicsology is the world's largest digital comic store with over 25,000 comic books Go to comicsologycom redeem, enter hashtag Spiderman or hashtag AVX
0: to get two free comics